everybody. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship. This is Phil Haugen coming to you from the bunkhouse at our training facility in Weatherford, Oklahoma. Got a lot of things to go over today. Number one, this week I I sent home a horse this last weekend to Dalton and Kaylin Doak and over there by Las Cruces, New Mexico. And uh, a filly that when she came, she was just extremely reactive, extremely fractious, very insecure, a little bit over the top reactive, but at the same time, there are certain horses that are just going to be more that way on the front end than others. And it, it was when, when they picked her up, it was actually this last weekend or last Friday that they picked her up. I thought a lot about it after I, after they left, you know, and that really and truly was probably one of my best jobs of building confidence and building a relationship with a young horse. Probably one of the better jobs I'd done, you know, maybe ever. That filly really got to where she trusted me, had a lot of confidence in me. And that doesn't mean we didn't have some tough days. We had some extremely tough days. I mean, I'm just looking back, you know, a month or two ago when I first introduced her to cattle, she was absolutely scared to death, wanted to run off and jump out of the arena when when you got her around a cow. You know, she's she just, anytime you introduce something new, it, it was really a great reminder and a great example of how strong that flight response can really be and it was it was a she was a great example of the difference of that switch in their brain that switches from the thinking side to the reacting side etc back and forth and you know, when, when she flipped that switch and she was on the reactive side of her brain, using the reactive side of her brain or that flight response kicked in, oh my, she, she was a handful. But, you know, over time, and, and Dalton and Kaylin are always real good about leaving those horses long enough to give you time to train them and, and be able to develop that switch to where they associate us with thinking and not reacting. They associate me with confidence, not anxiety. And, you know, one, one thing with that filly that was real interesting, and I, and I really learned a lot from this horse, is because she was so defensive and you know, she had that hair trigger switch to go to the reactive side of her brain. She really, as far as responding from the bridle rein, really and truly for the most, most of the time while I had her in training, it took a long time before I picked up that bridle rein and instead of triggering the flight response or a reactive response or a go into self-defense mode response it stimulated a thinking response and and she softened 
And to do that with her, I had to use my legs a lot to soften her body because what would happen, and this happens with a lot of horses, and, and a lot of you that are listening to this, if you'll think about it, yeah, I can tell there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of you that nod your head and go, yeah, I had a horse that was like that. Because we all have, but with this, with this particular filly, if I would, you know, not, not before I picked up the bridle rein, but a lot of times as I picked up the bridle rein, if I used my legs and I used my legs to soften that rib cage and pick up, pick up that rib cage and soften that rib cage side to side laterally, she would immediately get soft in the face but if i didn't a lot of times picking up that bridle rein she would naturally go into that bilateral body position that self-defense mode stuck in the rib cage stiff as a board because it wasn't that she couldn't get soft it was because she was going into you know reactive mode flight mode, self-defense mode. And, you know, that, that filly really, she really taught me a lot about understanding why horses, and, and I've always known this, but it was, it was kind of um, elevated with her to where you really had to help, you had to go more to her body to get her soft in all five body parts. When when you applied contact or pressure and sent that signal to her body, getting her soft in that head and neck was was really easy. And she would just get buttery soft. But you know, I've had horses that were the complete opposite of that. I've I've had horses that when you went to their body and asked through their body, a lot of times they would get stiff and defensive. And, you know, I was thinking of one colt in particular that was that way that, you know, when I first had that, that gelding, when I would go to his body, he, he would get so defensive, so stiff, so anxious, so insecure, you know, that, that flight mechanism would kick in. And, you know, we always talk about this. We learn something from every horse. And really, if if we're really good listeners, we're going to learn something every day. Every day you work those horses, you're going to learn something. They're, they're going to teach us something if we let them. And, you know, that doesn't mean that every day we don't, that we change our program or we change the way we train because that's the last thing you want to do. Everybody out there has a program, has a system. Now, right or wrong, um, you know, are there, are there always ways that we can improve? Absolutely. Yeah. We live in a changing world and just like with training horses, are there going to be a lot of things that stay constant and stay consistent through your whole career? Yes. Are there going to be things you, you always need to be looking for better and more efficient ways to do? Yes. hundred percent. I mean, myself included. I'm, I'm, I'm so far from where I think I can be in the future that, 
you know, it, it, it won't be any different today when I go work horses. It's a, it's a journey that never ends. And it's a journey that's uh, full of challenges and full of rewards because it, we're never going to have it perfected. But, but we're continuing to get better and better. And you see that in the quality of the horses out there and the quality of the training. Lot, lots of good trainers out there. Lots of very talented horse people out there. And then there's a lot of people that need, need a bunch of help. You know, all of us can fall into that category to some degree. So, you know, going back to this particular filly, when I showed her, uh, last Friday, one of the things that I was really, really proud of with her, and, and this seems like a small thing, but with her, the way she was when I got her, you know, to, just to give you an idea, when I got her for three days, she just wore a groove out in her stall and run walking the fence. I mean, you know, where they make a path and they just make a mess out of the run in their stall from walking. I bet, I bet it was, I bet it was eight inches deep, just walking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, you know, just drive you nuts if you sit and watch it. And, you know, so insecure. Well, when I was showing her the other day, you know, and I could just do a nice little smooth, soft lead departure and put my hand down and she would just stay in that nice little Western pleasure lope and, and stay soft. And, you know, she's such a good mover. Like I was telling Dalton and Kaylin, you know, I can, she's the type of horse you could lope a circle and drink a cup of coffee on, which that's how I like them especially as the longer you get to hang around and ride horses, you really notice the ones that are nice movers and that are smoother. And, and she, she had those characteristics, you know, being able to put your hand down and they stay in whatever gate you put them in to me is, is so important because that means they understand that what you asked of them once they once you put them in that gate and you put your hand down when you put when you put your hand down if your horse just starts speeding up and taking off that means that horse is is insecure when they're not being micromanaged when they're not being held when they're not being told every step to take like it, it's really, really important with these young horses for me anyway, for my program to progress, to have them to where I can put my hand down and they just stay in whatever gate I've put them in, whether it's a walk, trot, lope, canter, or a run. And to me, that's a big part of having control of that switch. Every time I put my hand down, I can't have that horse switching from the thinking side of their brain to the reacting side and thinking that we're going into flight mode. We're going into self-preservation mode, self-defense mode. You know, and I, I always call it self-defense mode because what I find is that when a horse is being reactive 
the reason I call it self-defense mode is when they go to bracing against me. And the reason a horse braces against us is because they don't like being, horses don't like being pulled off balance. And horses, when they're in flight mode, they want to stay on their feet. Horses feel very vulnerable if they go off their feet. So that's why when horses are running fast and they're in that bilateral body position, that's why I call it self-defense mode because it's not that horses, you know, it's not that your horse is, doesn't want to follow its nose and be soft in its body. When a horse is being reactive, it doesn't have the ability to do that. A horse, when they're in self-defense mode or flight mode, they are in a mindset that their number one goal is to survive and defend themselves and do whatever it takes to to survive. You know, like with that filly, she was really interesting to train because if you good, don't go to her body and help soften her, through the head, neck, shoulders, rib cage, and hindquarters by using your legs, she was really, really defensive to the bridle rein at times. But if you used your legs and, and helped, you know, used your legs to support that signal you sent with your bridle rein, she would get really, really soft. And, you know, for a running bred horse would, you know, got to where she was balanced, had a nice little stop, could turn around, could step around and stay really soft in her turnaround. And, and don't get me wrong, not like a reining horse, not like a cow horse, but for for the confirmation and the body position she had for what she was bred for, she was she was really, really pretty darn nice at that. And you know, I thought I thought a lot about that after she left, and I thought, you know, there's she's an exception to the rule in a lot of ways because a lot of horses, uh, you know, we we use signals that we send to their body to help get that softness in that rib cage, obviously, but but not all horses need as much help as she did with that. And vice versa, Some, like I said earlier, you know, I had a PC Frenchman's heyday gelding. There was a really nice gelding here a few years ago, but that horse, when I first got him, you, you know, when you laid your leg on him, he got defensive. He was completely the opposite of this filly. Really soft in his head and neck, to the to the signal you sent with the bridle rein but when you put your leg on him i had to i had to work with him extensively to where he would accept any contact or pressure from my legs and soften and give to it rather than go into self-defense mode so I, i was thinking a lot about those two horses in particular and how how different they were to train and you know i thought there's there's a lot of lot of you out there that have dealt with the same thing and that's what i mean when i talk about we we always you know if we'll listen they'll tell us what they need 
and if the if we'll listen that they'll tell us they'll give us some clues how we need to communicate with them and you know it goes back to horsemanship it's communication and leadership right i mean you know how do we communicate how do how do we lead you know with that philly that was a just a really good reminder to me to to adapt and to do you know i always say this you know and when when you're asking for a response what exactly you know three things what exactly are we asking for how can i ask in a way they understand and where's the release well like with her that second one how can i ask in a way she understands with her i went to her body more to get that softness to get that to help her find that release a lot more than I do with a lot of horses. I use my legs on every horse, but like with her, I I had to really, really overemphasize that. So that that's one thing I wanted to talk about this morning. And now switching gears a little bit, had a question from one of our listeners about how do you regain confidence after an injury to get back on your horse and to trust trust your horse and and you know on this subject i'm probably not the best one to talk about it because and this sounds crazy but you know other than some bumps and bruises i've never broken bone and and you know i'm knocking on wood when i say this but i've never had a broken bone on a horse i got pawed in the face and broke my nose one time like I said, I've had some bumps and bruises and I've had horses fall and trip and roll over me and all kinds of stuff. But I've, I've never, you know, I've never had a serious injury. And like I said, I'm, I'm knocking on wood when I say this. So I don't know if I'm the best qualified to talk about this, but I will tell you this, like any time, no matter what you're doing, when you're trying to regain your confidence, it's even in like competing, you got to start small, you got to start simple, you got to start basic, and you got to build. You know, I look at everything like building a brick house. You know, when you're laying that brick on the outside, you know, that foundation, we're, we're, we're building it one brick at a time. And, you know, to have a strong foundation, you can't cheat on the first layer and, and just have it so-so or just have it pretty good. So, you know, what I would say on that is when you're coming back from an injury, here, here's the first thing coming back from a serious injury I would make sure that I'm in the best shape I've ever been in myself physically because it's a proven fact. When you're physically working your body, you mentally get stronger because you're doing things that 
your mind is telling you, oh, don't do that because that makes me uncomfortable. So you're just by just by implementing a workout, you strengthen yourself mentally. That that's a proven fact. So that's the first thing I would do is work on my own body and work on myself. Then I would work on a foundation program with my horse to where before I got on them, I did all kinds of exercises where we built understanding, where we built trust, where we built a connection to where that horse trusted me and that horse understood that when I asked for a response, there was going to be a release and a reward. And I would work on that before I ever stepped in the stirrup. And then when I did step in the stirrup, I would step in the stirrup in a situation that is very safe and very user-friendly for me, whether that be a small pen, whether that be the round pen, whatever that is. And even if you had to get on and have somebody on the ground, I mean, with a halter and a lead rope underneath or over the top of your bridle and led you around till you started building more confidence, whatever it takes to build confidence. And everybody out there's got a ton of horse savvy and a ton of common sense, but whatever it takes to build confidence, do it. And understand when you're coming back from an injury and you're coming back trying to get back to where you once were, and this this is whether you're coming back from an injury or no injury, understand there's no timeline. You know, just let's let's just get better today. You know, today is gonna be an extremely challenging, windy day here, but at the same time, when it comes to comes to working these horses, just I, I just gotta bear down and get better. You know, don't let and not let the outside influences influence my leadership and my communication today. So similar circumstance when you're coming back from not competing in a while or you're coming back from an injury or, or whatever the situation is, prepare, prepare, prepare. Prepare yourself, prepare your horse, work together develop that connection and it's kind of like eating an elephant anybody out there can eat a whole elephant you just have to take small bites chew it up real good and it's going to take some time so you know that's how i would approach it coming back from an injury number one i'd like i said i'd be in the best physical shape i've ever been in because right there you're going to be you're going to be in a really good state of mind mentally then I would really, really work with my horse on the ground and really create a connection, really create some softness, some understanding, really exhibit some great leadership skills. And then I would move forward from there in, in small steps. And, and what will happen is a little bit every day that that confidence will come back. So try that. Great question. So 
Thanks to all our listeners. We sure appreciate you. Have a great, great week of training. God bless. And as always, today and every day, be your best. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's show. To learn more about the training program that inspired the Be Your Best podcast, head over to philhavenhorsemanship.com and join our online community by following us at philhavenhorsemanship on Facebook or Instagram. This is where we're going to be sharing tons of training tips and information about how you can experience our Training Through Understanding program at one of our upcoming clinics. As you go through the day today, I want to encourage you to figure out one thing you can do to get 1% better whether that is in your horsemanship journey, your career, or your personal life. Own it and be your best. God bless and have a great day of training.